righteous, and he's perfect in his love. And every aspect of our, of our God is perfect. Now, the reason I appreciate that is because I don't want to worship something or someone that isn't perfect. Because if it was a God of our own making, if it was an imperfect God, he's not worthy. There's only one that's worthy of our worship, only one that's worthy of our love, only one that's worthy of our sacrifice, and that's the one who gave us life, who's given us everything. Colossians chapter 1, if you don't mind. Colossians chapter 1, this, is, this will be our, our text this afternoon. I was telling uh, a couple people my iPad, I left it on uh, in this, this afternoon and forgot to plug it in until just before, so I'm on... I've only got a little bit, and all my notes are on my iPad, so when it dies, the ser service is over. <laughs> hey, I, I, well, I did plug it in for the last 15 minutes, so I got it up to 45%, so we should be good. And, and uh, I, I said that, and uh, Ethan goes, that's not long enough for you. <laughs> uh, Colossians chapter 1, uh, we're going to... Look at a few verses here. We'll start in verse, verse number uh, 9. We'll read verse 9 and 10. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you'd help me now uh, to preach the, the truth, the doctrine of your word. God, help me to, to declare it. Uh, Lord, as it is in truth, your word, not mine. Lord, I don't have anything to add to your word. Uh, so God, I pray that you help me to, to explain it in a way that's easily understood. I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear what your word would have for us, what your spirit would have for us to learn today. And God, I pray that we would not just see it, that we would not just hear it, or that we would not just understand it. God, I pray that you'd help us to, to, to heed it, or to, to apply it to our life, or that we might walk worthy, because Lord, you are worthy. Lord, I pray that you'd help our lives to, to, to rightly follow the example of our Savior, and God, that we would point others to Christ through those lives. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen. I used to, I, I say this often, and with, with the friends, this is an inside joke, I used to be a paramedic. Uh, when, the, when, the, when the friends first uh, came to, came to uh, our church, um, I knew Mark, Brother Mark back when, when we were teenagers, I kind of knew him. They came to our church uh, twice a year for a revival and for different services um, as his family traveled like they do now. And uh, uh, so when I found out that they were in, in, uh, in the area, they were in Nova Scotia, so not far away, I reached out to him. Um, it was all God's leading and God's working. I reached out to him and said, hey, do you by chance uh, travel and sing at all? I know he was pastoring at the time. Do you travel and sing and do, do uh, revivals? Because uh, I'm looking for somebody to do a, uh, to preach a revival at our church, and and uh, uh, unbeknownst to me, they had their family was praying at that time. In fact, had prayed that day that God would not that the, they believed God was leading them into evangelism, and they asked God to send the pastors to them that they didn't want to go around calling pastors for meetings. And I was the first person to message them. I messaged them at about 9 o'clock at night. I was the first person to message them in a 24-hour period. There were like seven other pastors all at the same time. God was at work. And, and God, God worked it all. But they came to our church the first time, and, and we got to be reacquainted. And, and, and uh, I can remember hearing it the second day that they were here. Um, uh, Mark comes out, and he's laughing. And, uh, and uh, he said something about, well, because you're a paramedic. And I said, well, what's this about? He goes, it's an inside joke. Uh, apparently, uh, she had been in there telling the kids, or telling the family about all the things that I used to do, some of the stories we had, I, had, I had been telling, and, and because he was a paramedic, and she said it like 15 times, so it became this inside joke. I used to be a paramedic, I am a paramedic, or I was a paramedic, and so every time they come, we, we tease them and make fun. So next time they come, say, did you know that our pastor used to be a paramedic? And they will 
all, any one of them, except for the littlest ones, they'll all laugh because they, they're in on the inside joke. In fact, I fit, I, I fit it into a couple sermons when they're here, uh, uh, teaching lessons or whatever. So, uh, but it, it was funny. But when I was a paramedic, I, I had to wear a, a specific uniform depending on where I was working. And I've worked in a, a couple different places. And one of the things that I learned as, as a paramedic I'm going to, I need to stop saying that. Uh, uh, one of the things I learned where I was working, and, and it didn't really d d matter where I was working or what uniform I was wearing, there, was, there were expectations that were placed on me based upon where I was working. Uh, uh, they expected a, a certain amount of professionalism and tact and compassion and, and uh, uh, knowledge uh, that when I was wearing that un uniform, when I was driving the fire truck or when I was driving the ambulance, uh, uh, whatever I was doing, if I was in the hospital, uh, I was the face of the company, right? Uh, uh, that, that they expected us to, to treat the doctors and the nurses with respect and to be kind and knowledgeable and, and to treat the patients that way and... and, uh, uh, to, and because, because I bore the name or wore the name, literally on my sleeve, uh, of, the, of wherever it was I was working, whether it was the city of Augusta, the city of Gardner, Delta Ambulance, United Ambulance, uh, all the, any of the places that I worked. And there were times when, when uh, they got complaints. And not necessarily about me, but people that I was working with. And, and uh, because, well, when you have the number of the, your boss on the side of the ambulance and and the person that's driving, was it me, uh, is, is dragging ra drag racing and cutting off the person who was drag racing them. And, and surprise, if you get a phone call, <laughs> to say, hey, are you speeding down or north on 995, just north of the Augusta exit? Because we just got a complaint, and you need to come to the office. <laughs> I said, I'm not driving. Let me hand you to my partner. <laughs> they expected something of us. They expected us to, to walk worthy, to act worthy of the, the name. And, and guess what? There were, if you didn't, there were repercussions. Uh, you could lose your job. You could, get, uh, you could get suspended. There was a lot of things that could happen. And now, now granted, I, I, I don't know of anybody that lost their job in doing that. But I say all that to say this. As the child of God, God has done a work in you. Uh, uh, he, uh, he has saved you. If, if, if you've trusted in him, the Bible says, Jesus himself said, he must be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit uh, is spirit. Uh, you are now, as a child of God, born again. Uh, there is a new life in you. There is, uh, you are not the same as you used to be. Uh, Corinthians tells, Paul says to the Corinthian church that that which the old man has passed away, behold, all things become new. We're not what we once were. And we also bear our new name. In First John, it says in chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. In the next couple of verses, it says, And such as ye are. We, we're not just called the children of God. We have become the children of God. And what happens if you get adopted into a family? You get their name. And you don't just get their name, but you, uh, you are legally and essentially now a part of that family. Maybe your genes are different. Maybe your chromosomes are different. Uh, your DNA is different. But, but for all intents and purposes, you are now a part of that family. And as you, as you carry that family name, the choices and the actions that you take bear upon that family. Uh, the things that we do, the things that we say, the places that we go, it, it, it reflects on who we are. And Paul here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 says, in verse 9, he's talking about how he's praying for them. And there's a number of things here, but specifically he says in verse 10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord. That you might walk worthy of the Lord. Now, there are some things that that we that Paul knew about this group of people here. Verse number four of this chapter, he says, "Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which ye have to all saints," he knew about this group of people that they were saved. He'd heard of their salvation. He'd heard of their faith, and and, and because and, and listen, we're, I'm not talking about a declaration of their faith. I'm talking, they didn't just say, hey, I'm saved. Uh, uh, faith isn't just belief. Now, understand what, I want you to be very sure that you understand what I'm saying. Faith is a belief that brings about a follow-through. I can believe a lot of things, but if I 
don't act on those things that I say I believe, do I really believe them? James said it this way, faith without works is dead. Uh, a, a preacher that I know of, uh, in, uh, his name is Paul Chappell, says it this way, our faith affects our behavior. Listen, our, your works, uh, the things that you do, do not save you. They do not earn your salvation. Uh, they, uh, you, that you cannot be good enough or do good enough things or, or a good enough amount of good things to, to ever save you. We're not saved by what we do. Uh, coming to this church, becoming a member of this church, uh, being baptized, putting money in the, in the offering box back there, uh, uh, being a good person and, and being the one who would give the shirt off your back to a friend who's in need or even a stranger or, or an enemy, uh, being a help, that, that will not save you. None of those things will save you. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 4, by grace are you saved through faith. And then not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And there's nothing that we do. It's only by the grace of God through the faith that we have, that belief that affects our behavior. Uh, the Bible says of Abraham that he was justified by his faith. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us what that faith does. That faith is, is what is, uh, for Abraham, he says, uh, through faith, Abraham, and I, I, I'm going to paraphrase because I, I, I can't, I'm not going to quote it correctly. Uh, uh, Abraham heard what God said, and he packed up all his belongings, and he went where God told him to go. It was, Ab it was Sarah that by faith trusted in the promise of God. In fact, all of the, those through Hebrews, it was all by faith. But every time, it wasn't that they just believed something. But their belief was, uh, th there was a response to their belief in that they were obedient to what God had said. Our, uh, when we place our faith and trust in Christ, we're no longer trying to, to earn our salvation. We're no longer trying to, to, to do enough good things to be, th th to be considered uh, a Christian. Uh, it isn't, doesn't have anything to do with that. But our belief in God will result in a change in our actions. Our, our belief in the, the promises of God will result in the work of God in us. So he's heard of their faith. In, in Thessalonians, uh, another church, uh, Paul says that, that uh, their faith was so so much shed abroad that so many people had heard about their faith that when they went to the towns around there, they said, we've heard what God's done to you, uh, how you used to follow uh, the false gods, and now you, you're, you've turned to God and you're waiting for Jesus Christ. And, and uh, you're the ones out there spreading the gospel. They had nowhere to preach because everybody had already heard the gospel. So he knew that they had been saved. And he also knew that they had a love for the saints. We see that there, there again in verse 4. Uh, it says, uh, since we have heard of your faith in Christ and of the love which you have to all saints. Uh, it's a biblical practice to love uh, other believers. And I don't mean to love them in word or in tongue. Uh, the Bible says we're not to love in word or tongue. That means don't tell people you love them, but don't actually love them. Love isn't what this world would describe as love. Uh, uh, we were talking about this on, on Thursday at the Bible study. Uh, uh, love is not a, an emotion. Uh, as much as a, the, the, the Valentine's Day has all become about hearts and flowers and candy and romantic love, uh, that's not the, the, the love defined in the Bible. The love defined in the Bible is sacrificial. It's, it's unconditional. There are no strings attached. And as a child of God, the Bible tells me that I, if, I do not, uh, if I do not exhibit the love of God towards other believers, how does the love of God dwell in me? Jesus said it this way. He said, uh, they will know you as my disciples by your love for one another. So, so here Paul has heard about their faith. And he has heard about their love for other believers. And again, it's not just them walking up and saying, Brother Frank, I love you today. I won't love you tomorrow, but I love you today. That's not. It's, it's not about telling people you love them. It's, it's about seeing that love, that, that action. 1 Corinthians 13 describes it as charity, which is love and action. It's, it's how we treat one another with, with love and, 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 and mercy and forgiveness and grace. So he knew that they were saved, and he saw their love, or he'd heard about their salvation. He'd heard about their, their, their love for one another. And he also heard that, 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 that 
They were fruit that had been reproduced as a result of the preaching of the gospel. We see that in verse 5 and 6 of the same chapter. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, where have you heard before in the word of truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit, as it doth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. He understood that God had done a work in their lives, and they had been saved. Now, does that mean that they're perfect? No. If anybody tells you they're perfect, all they are doing is admitting to you that they're a liar. <laughs> because nobody's perfect. Uh, Paul himself said that he had not attained, that he was pressing toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. Uh, but he wasn't there yet, and none of us are there yet. Uh, and I thank God for his mercy and his grace that, that uh, while I'm saved and I'm justified, meaning God has declared me righteous, the Bible says I'm seated uh, in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 2, that, that my salvation and my inheritance and my home in heaven is sure he's still working on me. There's an old song. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, because he's still working on me. Uh, he, he, he's, he's working on me, and he'll continue to work on me until I'm in heaven. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I am confident of this very thing, which, that he which hath begun a good work in you, my salvation, the work of Christ, will perform it, continue it, perfect it, until complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. When that day comes and I close my eyes on this earth, whether it's next week, next year, or next millennia, okay, I'm not going to be that old, uh, and ne the next century, and I'd be really, I'd be 120. Hey, by, by then, who knows? Uh, who knows what kind of medical advances? Would be. If I'm 120 and I die here on this earth, I still aren't going to be perfect until I open my eyes in heaven. And God will have completed the work in me. But just because God's not done with me yet, just because God has not completely finished his work in me yet, does not mean that I should not attempt to strive to be holy, or to strive to walk worthy. Because the Bible says we're to be in this world, but not of this world. The Bible says as, as Christians that we are, 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 are not to be conformed to this world, to be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Paul describes this as a peculiar people, different. He's changed us. The old man has passed away. Behold, all things become new as as a result of their 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 testimony of salvation paul felt compelled to write to them and give them some godly advice and listen when i say paul was compelled i mean god inspired paul to, to pen these words for them but ultimately also for us because all scripture is given by inspiration of god and is profitable it's profitable for me it's profitable for you the instruction that paul had for these believers is good for us too. Paul's prayer and desire for these believers was that their walk would be worthy of the Lord. He actually uses this phrase in two other places. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul says this, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you or that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. The vocation is that they were children of God. Uh, uh, they were to be God's children. He says, walk worthy of being that child of God. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, he also uses the same phrase. He says in this verse, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom in glory. So what does it mean to walk worthy? Is it talking about the way that we walk? I mean, some people have, uh, uh, if you watch different people, I, I, I'm a people watcher. Uh, I, honestly, I, I don't like being in front of everybody, which is really weird for somebody who gets up and talks and, and, and preaches. And it's, uh, but the, my, uh, me personally, my, my character, I would rather be sitting back and watching everybody else. In fact, a lot of times we, we'll have, We'll, diff we'll have different things, and I'll kind of stand out against the wall and just watch people interact. Not that I don't want to interact with people. It's just in my nature to kind of draw into a shell and 
watch other people. But uh, I can remember I, I've seen people that uh, uh, that you know they 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 walk with intention. I've seen you know the really cool guys. They got the swagger. I can't walk with a swagger. I don't have any swagger. Uh, uh, you, you see the people that walk, you know, carefully. You see all kinds of different walks, but it's not talking about the way that you move your feet or the way that you carry your body. It's talking about our, our path in life. In fact, the, way, the, 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 the definition is it means to walk, to make one's way, to progress, to make due use of opportunities, to live, to regulate one's life, to conduct oneself, and to pass, to pass through one's life. It's talking about how we conduct our lives as Christians. Uh, uh, how do we act? How do we speak? Uh, are, we, are we looking towards heavenly things? Are we looking towards earthly things? Are we, are, are, are we constantly living in temptation and struggle and, and, uh, and, and involved in sin? Or are we walking in holiness? I heard this. I shared this with Bible study. Uh, uh, it was a quote by Billy Sunday. He said that uh, the ch- Christians would be much better off if they treated sin like a rattlesnake versus a cream puff. Think about it. I'm on a diet. I see a cream puff. I'm like, that sure would be good, but I shouldn't have it. But it sure looks good, but I shouldn't have it. But it sure looks really good. It smells good, too. Ooh, that's sweet. One, one isn't going to hurt. You try that with a rattlesnake. You ain't going to be sniffing it. You ain't going to be tasting it. You're not going to be seeing how close you can get to it without eating it, right? Treat sin like a rattlesnake. Uh, get as far away from it as possible, and we can do a whole lot better as, as children of God. Uh, walk worthy of the Lord. Now, the word worthy means this, suitably, worthily, in a manner worthy of. It, be, it means that, that the, the way that we're living or, or whatever we're doing is worthy of the one whose name we bear, that we're not going to bring shame on the Lord. That we're not going to, to that we that we would not walk in a way that goes against his his will or his way. Truth is, there's not a better desire or decision that a, that a Christian would have than to pray for, and strive to walk worthy of our Lord. Now, three points, and we'll be done. Three points, and several verses, but three points. The first one is this. And just so you know, this is actually a three-part series, so <laughs> so it is only three points because I don't want to get into the, se- the second message. Three points. First one is this: to walk worthy is possible. To walk worthy is possible. How many times do we we look at something? And there's no way that I can accomplish that. If you tell yourself that, guess what? You ain't doing it. If, if, if you have it in your mind that something is impossible, that, that there is no way that you'll ever accomplish, accomplish it because you've set yourself a boundary that, that you mentally will not be able to cross. I heard this story uh, actually uh, and, uh, years ago. Uh, there was a, uh, it was a weightlifting competition. There was, a, it was a, a world record at that point in time. Nobody had lifted more than, uh, I believe it was 500 kilograms. Uh, uh, and... and and, uh, and, and people had gotten right up to it, but nobody had lifted more than that. That's a lot of weight, by the way. <laughs> and nobody had ever done more than that. Guess what? Somebody just recently broke uh, the record, I believe now, is 1,200 and something pounds. And the guy almost killed himself doing it. He's literally the strongest man in the world. I saw the video of him. He, he picked it up and, and, and stood there and held it and just looked around he dropped it and then he collapsed and then he ended up having brain bleeds and all kinds of stuff because our bodies just aren't built for that uh, uh, but but uh, but he was able to do it because he told himself he could now he put a lot of work into it as well but to walk worthy of the Lord if we if we set that boundary and say it's just impossible for me to live holy it, it's impossible for me to, to, to ever to, to ever to be able to be worthy I'm not, I'm not worthy how could God ever make me worthy you're limiting what God can do in your life You're not worthy because of who you are or what you've done. You're worthy because of Jesus Christ and what he did. 
you're, you're worthy. But, 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 if, but as we see that there's value in us, and there, there's intrinsic value in what God has done for us, and what God has, has made us to be. But knowing that, we need to walk worthy. Now, Paul wouldn't have told us to walk worthy if, if it wasn't possible. God wouldn't tell us to walk worthy or expect us to walk worthy if it wasn't possible. But I'll, I'll, I'll grant you this, we are feeble, and we stumble, and we fall, and we can be unworthy at times. But the first thing that we need to do is the same thing that Paul did. Pray and ask God to help. Because the truth is, you can't walk worthy without the grace of God enabling you to walk worthy. Any good thing that's ever happened in you, every, every, any good change that's taken place in your life. Uh, and listen, none of us, are, if, if you're saved here today, none, none of us are anything other than what God has allowed us and made us to be. Uh, if, if you're faithful to church, guess what? It isn't because you set your alarm and got up early. That may have something to do with it, but there was a reason you set your alarm and got up early to come to church. There's a reason why you made church a priority. And it wasn't because of a decision that you made. It's because a change uh, was, was made in your heart that made that a desire of your heart. The same goes with anything. When we begin to despise sin, it isn't because our, our desires changed on our own. It means God changed our desires. You have a hunger for reading the Word of God. Listen, that doesn't come just because, well, I think I'm going to read my Bible today. No, it comes because God puts in us a hunger to, to read his word. Uh, we have a love for the brethren. Listen, that doesn't come because we're just nice people. While there's lots of nice people in here, we're also all different, and we don't always all get along. But let me tell you this. There is a love in, of in, inside of us that we're to have for one another, and we should tr try to get along. Do you know why? Because God desires us to get along, and because God, God enables us. Not through our flesh, that's the old man, but through the Spirit of God to love one another, to forgive one another. So praying for it is a start. Now while we're feeble and while we stumble and fall, we can walk worthy. One of my favorite passages of Scripture is this, Psalms 37, 23. My life verse, 23 and 24, it's my life verse for many years. Uh, I still... Love it to this day. It says this, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him in his hand. Now, the man here is described as a good man. But it's not a description of, of, of his goodness, because the Bible says this, There is none good but God. Jesus said that. There is none righteous, no, not one. Paul says that in the book of Romans. Uh, 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 we're all sinners, in fact, according to the word of God. So, so how does he say the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord? It's talking not about the, the, the character of the man, but the, the way he's walking. It, it's talking about the steps of that good man. Why, what, what, what do you mean he's walking? Uh, it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. How does God order our steps? Does that mean God, God is placing our foot? Every place it's supposed to go? No. I believe God, God puts us in a certain direction. I believe the Spirit of God will direct us. I believe the Word of God will direct us. Uh, uh, but I have free will. Have you ever seen a sign that says, no trespassing, and then went across that border? I have. When, when I was 16 years old, I uh, went on a mission trip to Mexico with a, a group of, of probably 25 teenagers, some from our church, some from another church, and there were about four adults. Uh, my pastor was one of them and some people from the other church. And, uh, and, and the guy that was lead, uh, leading it, they were, we were going down to visit his son, who was a missionary in Mexico. And on the way down, we made it into Texas, into the middle of this desert area. Uh, the, the, uh, we were in a bus. It was a long, long ride. And the, the reason it was really long, because about halfway there, the air conditioning stopped working. And, uh, and so we stopped on the side of the road. They were trying to do something to the air conditioning. And, and we were, it, it wasn't just the side of the road. It was a, a rest area. Well, what do teenagers do when they're, especially when you have a large group of them, and we're in a place where you can get in trouble? They get in trouble. So we're walking around, wandering around. It's, we're there for about an hour, and we, get, we cross the road, the interstate, and there's no traffic. We're in the middle of the desert. We, on the other side of the road, there is a, a, a barbed wire fence, 
and there it's just this this big this desert area kind of thing on the, and, and on the other side there are these cactuses now we're from Ohio I've never seen a cactus in, in uh, other unless it was in a planted pot somewhere and and and, and, and Nobody else was from the area, so it was kind of cool. It caught our fascination. Uh, the one thing that stopped me, though, from crossing that fence was, one, there was a barbed wire fence. Two, there was a sign that said, no trespassing. Trespassers will be shot. I took heed of the sign. I said, you know, probably not a good idea to go across there. Now, there's a group of, of teenagers, and the truth is teenagers are foolish. And teenagers don't always heed signs that say, beware, or don't cross. And in fact, out of all the 25 teenagers that were there, I was the only one with enough wits to walk away. One of the young men said, you know what? I want to take one of those cactuses home. I don't know why he would. How, where was he going to put it? We were on the way to Mexico, not on the way home. He was going to stick it in his luggage. There's going to be these needles everywhere. It's a stupid, stupid idea. Anyways, but... Everybody was egging him on. He thought this was a great idea. And so he climbed through the fence, and I said, peace out. I'm out of, I'm out of here. The sign says no trespassing. Something bad's going to happen. I don't know what. And I'm glad that I listened because about a minute and a half later, I was about 100 feet away, and I see this, this <laughs> state trooper come down the road, the only car that we have seen for like an hour. And he, he's coming down the road, and he stops and turns his lights on. And so I stop where I am, 100 feet away, and I stand there and go like this. And while he chews them out for crossing uh, into private property and says, just so you know, the guy who owns this property would actually shoot you. And because and state the, the laws of Texas are that if he shoots somebody that's on, on his property without permission, it, 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 it's, it's a defense law, he's allowed to. So that was a stupid mistake, and you should never do it. And I was the only one on that trip that didn't get yelled at at some point through the trip. Not because I was, I was the best kid in the world. It's just I didn't get caught in some of the things that I did. But, but, uh, but I want you to understand, th there's a boundary there. It should stop us. But it doesn't always. Now, uh, you may not have a, a sign or a barbed wire fence telling you to stop or not to go somewhere. But you have freedom of where you put your feet, don't you? Not only that, there's a path that we're supposed to walk. The Bible says in Psalms 119, my word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God will direct us. In fact, he says this, there in Psalms, he says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He orders our steps through his word. He tells us what we're to do and where we're to go and how we're to walk. And the truth is, that good man, it's not just that even that he's walking in the right way, but it says he delights in his path. He delights in his way, not in his own way, but in the way of God. If we want to walk worthy of the Lord, we need to walk according to the way that God teaches us to live our lives and do it with joy because God's word is pleasing unto us. That our way isn't so important. Listen, we all have, we all have things the Bible tells us that we shouldn't do that we wish it didn't tell us we shouldn't do. It, that's our old nature. That doesn't mean we do what we want to do. I, I don't remember which prophet it was. I think it's Amos. It says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? How can we walk according to God's path if we don't agree and delight in his path and in his way? Now, again, though he fall, verse 24, and this is my favorite part of the verse, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. We're told to walk worthy of the Lord. But you and I both know that we make, and I don't even want to say the words, make a mistake. Because when we don't walk worthy of the Lord, we've sinned. When we don't walk according to the way of God, we have sinned. We've rejected what God has told us to do. We have decided to go our own way. But God, in his grace, upholds us. Does that mean we shouldn't try to walk worthy? No. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. Does it mean that we, sh that we should not strive, that even in our weakness, in our feebleness, to, to walk according to his way? No. In fact, in our own weakness, in our own, uh, in our own feebleness, we should understand that as God strengthens us, that that only brings glory to God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 11, this is talking about his life, and uh, it's talking about a 
specific uh, struggle that he had, uh, described as the messenger of Satan, the thorn in the flesh. Uh, it could be his eyesight. It could be a number of other things. Uh, it's maybe something that we, nobody's ever even thought of, but there was something in his life that, that caused him to struggle. And he asked God to remove it three times. In verse 9 of, of, of that chapter, he says that he, God, said unto me, this is after he prayed for the third time, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I, Paul, rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul says, I'd rather glory in the fact that whatever this infirmity is, if it's my blindness, that I'll glory in that that I might bring honor to God. Now listen, I'm not saying you, you live in sin so that you can glorify God when he brings you out. I'm saying glory in the fact that God has brought you out. I look back at my life and I'm ashamed of, of many of the things that I did. There was a period of my life where I wish I could take those three years back. But what God did in me and for me in those three years has helped me and changed me. I'm not the man I used to be. Back then I wasn't even a man, to be honest with you. Uh, back, back then, I, 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 there was, God did a work in me in bringing me back. That God used that. So let God use your weaknesses to, 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 as, 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 as he perfects you, as he matures you. Let him use that to your advantage. So as you grow, as you mature as a Christian, that you can bring honor and glory to him with your life. Number two. Not only is walking worthy a possible, possible, it's a path for us to walk. Our lives are made up of choices. Uh, it's kind of like if you, if you would, were to take a map and, and you were to look, uh, uh, you, there are lots of different ways to get to different destinations. Uh, uh, you, you would examine it, find out, what the, uh, find out what might be the best path or the worst path, and sometimes the paths are, that we take are terrible. Don't ever follow Apple. Uh, Apple Maps, that's a, that will sometimes get you in the wrong place. Uh, my wife, I can remember, I got a phone call from her years ago. She was taking the kids to, a, to an apple farm uh, for a field trip, and uh, she was on the way there for three hours. Now, it wasn't three hours away. She just got lost for two and a half of, the, or two and a half of those hours. <laughs> she finally gave up and was on her way home when she drove past the entrance to the apple farm and, and got there. Uh, why? She didn't know how to follow the GPS. I'm not sure what the whole reason was, but okay. It wasn't matching with what the pic picture said. Uh, either way, she made some choices that day. We all make choices when we're driving down the road or walking in our life, walking, taking a path. You can choose to do this or we can choose to do that. Uh, our, our life is made up of choices. And sometimes the choices are good and sometimes the choices are, are wrong. And, or, 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 and it's important that we understand that life is made up of choices. So... If we're going to walk worthy, we need to do something. Joshua 1, 7 8 says this. God speaking to Joshua, and he's saying, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy pr way prosperous, and then thou shalt be or have good success. God, God told Joshua, don't turn from my word. He said, follow my word, follow my command, uh, do what I, I, what I tell you to do, and your way will be prosperous. He says, walk in my way. Listen, uh, there were times when Joshua walked uh, in the way God told him to. Some of those ways seemed awful crazy. If you had told me that to have victory over some city, I was going to have to walk around that city for seven days, and then the walls were, and then they yelled really loud, and then the, the walls were going to fall down, I said, you're nuts. But that's what God told Joshua about the city of Jericho. They, they marched around the wall for seven days. On the last day, they marched seven times, just like God had said, and they, they blew the trumpets, and, and they, by the way, they didn't talk at all for the whole time. And on the seventh day, when it was all said and done, they blew the trumpets, and the walls came tumbling down. They had victory. The very next battle was the Battle of Ai, and it was just a little city. But you know what Joshua didn't do? He didn't ask God how they should battle the city. He said, they're just a small city, and we just had a great victory. I'm just going to take a few thousand men, and we're going to go up against this city, and we're going to wipe them out. We're going to win. And if you've read the, 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 about the battle with AI, 
They went and got their tails handed to them. You know why? Two things. One, there was sin in the camp, and they, they, hadn't, they hadn't sought the Lord so God could reveal that to them. Two, they didn't seek the Lord for direction in how to fight that battle. It's important for us to understand that we make choices every single day, and our choices have consequences. They have results. Joshua 24, we, it's, a, it's a verse 15. It's a verse that, that, that many people have heard. People have it on the walls at home. Uh, it's important for us not just to, to decorate our house with this, but to remember it uh, uh, as instruction for us. It says, and if, this is Joshua speaking to the people of Israel. He says, and if it seem unto you, uh, evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. He said, I've made a choice, and you have to make a choice. Uh, if we're going to walk worthy, we have to choose to walk worthy. That doesn't mean that we're not going to fall or, 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 or sin or make, uh, or make a wrong decision at times, but we have to make a choice, an initial choice, to walk according to the way of the Lord and not the way of the world. Again, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And the Lord and He delights in His way. To walk worthy isn't one choice; it's a series of choices that we make every single day. The sad story of the nation of Israel is that after Joshua said, "Choose you this day whom you will serve," they said, "We choose to serve the God of Israel." And then you turn the page into the Book of Judges, and it says that there rose up a generation that knew not God. And they went through a series of, 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 of the judgment of God, what God allowed and brought in the nations uh, around them, the Philistines, to judge them. And then God would raise up a deliverer in their, within them, and, and they would be delivered as the people repented. And then they'd go right back. It was just, they did right, which was in their own eyes, but they did not do right, which was according to the, the word of God or what God had said. So what that tells me is they forgot the choice, or they were making other choices. It's a, it's a series of choices that we make. So choose today to walk worthy. And tomorrow when you wake up, choose to walk worthy. And the next day, choose to walk worthy. It's a series of choices. Our third point and our last. Not only is, is it possible to walk worthy, and not only is, our, is it our plan or should it be our plan to walk worthy, to walk worthy is a pursuit. Walk worthy is a pursuit. When we think about our Savior, 1 John 2, 6 says, He that saith, he abideth in him, not also himself, to walk, also to walk, even as he walked. The truth is, we're to follow in the steps of Christ. If we're going to walk worthy, that means we need to walk like Christ walked. There's a book that you can read. It's an old book. It's called In His Steps. Uh, and and it's, 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 it's a fictional book, but there's, a, there, there's some good truth in that. If you ever heard of the, 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 the term uh, or, or the acronym WWJD, what would Jesus do? It comes from that book. A book is like 70 years old, but they, they took the, the, that acronym from that because somebody preached the message uh, to the church in the book. Again, it's, it's, it's fiction. But uh, that, that if, if you were to, to, to just every time you were forced or uh, faced with a decision and you were to ask yourself, what would Jesus do? And then you would do what Jesus would do, we'd be a whole lot better off. And so in the book, people begin to, uh, begin to challenge themselves and, and begin to make hard decisions, decisions that affected their businesses and their jobs and their families and, and all those things. But in, all, in the end, it all brought glory to God. And the truth is, as we make those decisions day after day, when we pursue to, to, to live as Jesus lived, to love as Jesus loved, to serve as Jesus served, what we'll see is that we're pursuing godliness. Philippians chapter 3, 7 through 21, Paul says this. It's a long passage of scripture, so bear with me. It says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count 
all things, but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffer the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. Paul's saying that what I used to be, and listen, Paul was a man of power, he was a man of position, he was a, he was, he was, he was a, uh, he was, had a political office, uh, uh, he, he, he had a large amount of finances, he, he, he had power, he was somebody. He said, all that I was, I counted as dung, that I might win Christ. I've left it all behind. It isn't worth anything anymore. He goes on to say, not only that he might win Christ, and be found in him, verse 9, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Listen, if we're going to walk worthy of the Lord, it's going to result in a few things in our lives. It's going to result in the fact that we're going to, to, uh, to, to, to know him better. That verse says, uh, it says uh, that I may know him. The only way to walk after him is to know how he'd walk. You know how you find that? In the Word of God, God opens our eyes uh, to spiritual things. Is uh, the Spirit of God works in us and helps us to see that we see Christ. We can read about Christ and how He handled opposition, and how He handled rejection, and how He handled those that, that nobody else would touch or, 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 or dare go near. Listen, He loved and He gave and He sacrificed for you and for me. If we're gonna walk as He walks. We need to know Him. So not only do I want to know Him. He said, the power is resurrection. The power of, God, of, of the resurrection of Christ. When Christ rose from the grave, there was a, a divine power. That, it wasn't that he just woke up. He wasn't just asleep in that grave. Uh, that's a fallacy, a lie. Uh, uh, the, the, even the Pharisees back then told that, uh, that, that he'd been stolen away. That, uh, listen, when he rose from the dead, his body was dead, but he woke up. From death, that's power. Now, you're not, you're not going to, on this earth, get sick and die, then rise up and live, like, live here again. But we will one day live again. We look forward with hope, according to the, word, according to the words of God and the promise of God, that we will have life after death. Amen? But we have access to that power now. It's that power that now works in you and I as children of God that saved us and brought what was once dead in trespasses and sins to life. Says, I want to know God and I want to, to know the power of his resurrection. Listen, that's power over death, power over sin. It's being made conformable unto his death. He says, I want my life to, 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 to be so similar to, to God that I'm conformable unto his death. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to be nailed to a cross. So there are some crazy people down in Mexico that every year they, they get nailed to a cross uh, in celebration of the crucifixion of Christ. That is just ridiculous and crazy. That is not required of anybody to suffer like that physically. What it's talking about is that I die daily, that, that my old man is crucified. In fact, that's what Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. This old man needs to be put in the grave, never to be brought up again, that we, that we die to self, that we might live for Christ. Because we won't walk in God's way unless we do that. You can be conformable unto his death fellowship of sufferings, by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that to which I also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. As a brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if, any man, if, and if in anything he be otherwise minded, God shall re reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be ye followers of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have 
us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is, their, is in their shame, who mind earthly things. He's saying there, there are those, he, he was mark us as examples. As we follow Christ, you follow us. Mark us as, as an example. He goes, because there are those that used to walk in our, that used to walk trying to follow the example of Christ, who now, he says, I even tell you weeping, that, that, they, that they're the enemies of the cross of Christ, that, 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 whose God is their belly, whose, whose glory is in their shame, that, that, that they mind earthly things. They're allowing this, this that, that old nature and their own desires to lead them in their life. That is not walking worthy. In fact, it's walking contrary to the things of God. Now they do that, why? Ultimately because they were never saved. Paul says, our conversation is in heaven. Our light, this life, this, what we see here on this earth, it's temporary. It's momentary. It's here one minute and gone the next. But eternity is forever. And if we understand that, if we grasp that truth, the life that we live here will be lived for the life that we'll have there. Walk worthy. How's your walk today? How's your walk been this week? What choices have you made that have been in accordance with Scripture? And what choices have been contrary to what God would have you to do? Listen, I pray for you all, honestly. I pray that you're walking worthy. But you have to make that choice. Make that choice today. Decide today that this week, the choices I make this week will be, will, will be what God would have me to do. I will choose to walk like Christ walked. I'll choose to serve like Christ served. I'll choose to have a humble attitude. I'll choose to, uh, I'll choose to be like Christ did. And if I don't know enough about Christ to make the decisions that, that would help me to, to walk like Christ, then I will spend time in the Word of God so that I can learn about Jesus so that I can then walk like Him. Make that decision today and tomorrow and every day for the rest of your life. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for the, for the just thank you for what Christ did for us, the salvation that's been given to us. And God, I thank you for the change that's taking place in our lives as Christians. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us to walk worthy of this name that we now bear. Lord, we are your children and we thank you for the salvation that's been given to us. Help us to uh, to, to, to grow in your word, to grow in the knowledge of our Savior, to become more and more like him. Help us to, 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 to crucify our flesh, to, to, to die to self, Lord, and to live for Christ. Lord, help us to, to do that every single day with every single decision. And God, may you be glorified by what, by what we become and the choices that we make. We love you and thank you for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.